Hey folks, you guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com haunted. That's masterclass.com haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com slash haunted. I'll see you there. Hello, my friends. Today, we are going to explore the gorgeous landscapes of Utah. We'll dive deep into the state's history and folklore, focusing on two legends in particular. The Bear Lake Monster and the Skinwalker Ranch. Now, these stories have been passed down forever, and they blur the line between truth and fiction. So, today I'm going to dive deep into these fascinating tales that have captivated the locals for years. So, buckle up and let's journey through the heart of Utah's folklore, where it turns out reality and legend kind of blur together. Do you believe in ghosts? Join me on a journey through America's dark and haunted past as we explore the folklore and ghost stories that have been passed down for generations. What scares you? Let's find out. I'm Christopher Feinstein, and this is Haunted American History. As the sun began to set, over Bear Lake, casting a fiery glow over the tranquil waters that straddle the northern reaches of Utah and Idaho, an eerie silence fell over the once bustling community. The locals, who would usually share stories and laughter, huddled together in hushed whispers. Their eyes darted nervously towards the Great Lake where they claimed to have seen a serpent-like creature, or a great big fish lurking in its depths. A sense of unease hung in the air, as palpable as the scent of pine trees surrounding them. This was no ordinary evening. It was 1868, and a curious reporter had just arrived in town, eager to pen down their accounts and unwittingly setting the stage for a legend that would captivate generations. Interestingly, it wasn't until 1996, during the annual Raspberry Day Festival in Garden City, 
that the name Bear Lake Monster was revealed. According to Visit Bear Lake, elementary school children participated in a vote to determine the monster's name, ultimately settling on Isabella. The name perfectly suited this mysterious creature that haunted Bear Lake, captivating the imaginations of both locals and visitors alike. Bear Lake is often referred to as the Caribbean of the Rockies. The surrounding area has gained fame for its succulent raspberries, particularly the renowned raspberry milkshake, which to this guy sounds incredible, as I am a fan of raspberries. I'm a fan of all berries in general. I'll eat them by the pint. Anywho, as time went on, the legend of the Bear Lake monster continued to spread among the locals, even catching the attention of Brigham Young, the second president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. In an article titled President Young's Trip North, published by the Deseret News, it was revealed that church leaders had engaged in conversations with individuals who fervently believed in the existence of this monster. While these leaders acknowledged that something remarkable might have been witnessed by the locals, they were hesitant to readily accept the tale as truth. Hmm, funny how that works. Intrigued by the accounts of people eager to investigate further, a church leader proposed sending a large rope to the locals, hoping to capture this creature. This gesture only fueled the growing interest in the reality of the Bear Lake Monster over the next two decades. The archives of the Deseret News from 1868 to 1890 contain numerous mentions of the monster, with a surge in interest during the 1870s through the early 1880s. One article from August 27, 1873 described the monster as a formidable ruler of the lake, feasting on unsuspecting animals that ventured near its shores to drink. A month later, in September of 1873, Another article humorously mentions someone eagerly observing the lake, patiently waiting for a glimpse of this elusive creature. However, up to that point, the monster had still remained unseen. One Deseret News article from July of 1877 titled, Quite Fishy, poked fun at the folklore surrounding the Bear Lake Monster. The reporter states, however, Saxe's Bear Lake Monster has the precedence, having made its debut ahead of this Monument Point visitor. One would suppose the waters of lake were plenty salty enough without this crocodile ship. The fact is, we prefer to take the whole thing with a few grains of salt. On August 24, 1881, a news article published from a correspondent who claimed to have witnessed what they believed was to be the celebrated Bear Lake monster, describing it as a large, undulating body with about 30 feet of exposed surface, colored a light cream color, and swiftly moving three miles away from their observation point. This account now added more to the growing lore surrounding this creature, as you can imagine. After meticulously analyzing the mentions of Bear Lake Monster in the news, it becomes apparent that typical descriptions likened it to another type of serpent, or crocodile. Some accounts even mention spikes on top of its back. While most references to the monster are in singular form, there are some instances where plurals are used. In later mentions, the creature is compared to another monster residing in Lake Superior, known as Pressy. 
Pressy, who is a snake-like monster seen around Lake Superior, gained attention in around 1894 to roughly about 1930. Its existence was supported by numerous sightings during this period. However, the Loch Ness Monster, also known as Nessie, boasts an even longer folklore tradition, obviously. In the 7th century biography of St. Columba, the monster is described as being on the verge of attacking a swimmer before being commanded to stop by Columba himself, according to Encyclopedia Britannica. This event laid the foundation for numerous reported sightings of the creature throughout history. In an effort to uncover the truth, researchers even conducted extensive scans of Loch Ness, only to find no evidence of large creatures but an abundance of eels. <laughs> Interestingly, some individuals have speculated that the Baird Lake monster might be connected to the Loch Ness monster. While it remains a mystery how such a creature could traverse from Utah to Scotland, and if anybody has any tips that doesn't require an insane amount of airfare, you let this guy know. But if folklore does anything, it always will intertwine two different legends, connecting them even across great distances. Curiosity naturally arises about the size of the Bear Lake monster. According to Visit Bear Lake, estimates range from 6 to 90 feet in length. Wow, that's a big jump. With most reports suggesting the length of around 40 feet. Over the years, various sightings of the Bear Lake monster have been reported. The first recorded sighting occurred in 1869 when Joseph Rich sent his account to the Deseret News. However, he later confessed that these sightings were nothing more than a world-class lie. That's why they say, believe half of what you read and none of what you see. Oh, wait, no, it's the other way. Believe half of what you read. No, believe none of what you read and half of what you see. Yeah, that's it. Oof, I don't know what happened to my brain there for a second. That was scary. Anyway, pre-stroke, I was talking about the Bear Lake Monster. Another sighting was reported in 1907 by the Logan Republican. The Bear Lake Monster website reprinted an account that described the creature as a water monster that rushed towards witnesses like a mad elephant. The report says that it grabbed a horse with its front paws before tearing it apart and emitting a haunting howl and then just vanishing. You usually don't see paws, too many paws on uh, sea creatures or, in this account, lake creatures. Hey, listen. Additional sightings were rumored to have occurred in 1937 and in 1946. These sightings further solidified the Bear Lake Monster's place within Utah folklore and urban legend. The most recent sighting of the Bear Lake Monster was reported by a man named Brian Hersh Hershey? Hershey? A man named Brian, a business owner residing near the lake in 2002. According to the Casper Star Tribune, Brian claimed to have witnessed the creature while anchoring his boat on a June night. He described seeing two humps in the water before a serpent-like creature leapt into the air. Brian vividly depicted its appearance with dark, slimy green skin and deep, beet-red eyes. However, skeptics quickly emerged, questioning the timing of this sighting. It so happens that it was during Memorial Day weekend, just prior to Memorial Day weekend, which marks the summer tourist season up at the lake. So, 
Now, while the Bear Lake monster may not exist in the literal sense of a monstrous serpent gliding through the lake's waters, its presence remains firmly entrenched in Utah's folklore. The legend continues to captivate minds of those who dare to explore the depths of Bear Lake's mysterious history. So if you're from Utah or plan on visiting Utah and heading on up over to Bear Lake, send old Bessie my love. And if you do just so happen to lay eyes on her, ask her how the hell can I get to Scotland without flying? I really want to. Hey folks, I am going to keep this little interlude in the middle here short and sweet. I just wanted to uh, let everybody know that my YouTube channel is now fully up and running. I uh, posted my first video know, a week or so ago. Um, my second one might be up now. Like I said, I record these ahead of time. I'm trying to play mental math in my head. Just to calculate the date, uh, mental math in my head. Mental math, hell, math on paper for me is not great. Uh, but yeah, the links are in my show notes. And uh, it's just me really discussing pretty much what I do here. Just, you know, you get to look at me and I get to add some images and make fun of myself and add a little couple of clips and thing, things that I enjoy. So, yeah. And uh, I'm also going to be going out to places and uh, visiting them and, you know, visiting haunted locations. It's kind of going to be a, a combination of like, talking head stuff, me just in front of a, a terrible green screen, which I have to get much better at video editing, I've learned. And, yeah, just, you know, having a conversation about you know, folklore and uh, the ghost stories and the true crime and all the stuff that I'm into and as well as visiting these locations and and stuff like that so the link is in the show notes as well as any other links that may be pertinent to things I've mentioned or things that I'm talking about in the future this is why I gotta stop recording see I used to record literally I used to record like Saturday and put the episode out on Monday so it was easier to talk about things that I knew were coming because I could just say, hey, these are here. Or, hey, they're not because the unforeseeable circumstances happened. But now I'm kind of just like announcing things that are coming or have or have already came <laughs> for all I know. And uh, they're not there. Or they're coming the day later than this episode gets posted. So, keep me on my toes, ask out, reach out, send me an email, be like, hey, Chris, you were talking about something. Uh, did that launch yet? And then I'll be like, oh my god, I haven't updated anybody yet. So yeah, that's all there, and if you haven't already done so, please head over to YouTube and subscribe to the channel. Help me out over there, help me get to my subscriber count. My subscriber count is abysmal. And for the amount of followers that I have on Spotify and Apple, should be up there. It's a lot of fun. We're going to have a good time. I'm going to make a fool of myself at these places and, you know, just all the little things that I'm into. You'll get a little bit of a deeper peek into the psyche that is old Chrissy boy. All right. So let's uh, keep going with Utah. And uh, yeah, thank you, folks. And uh, I'll see you real soon. I don't know. I never know how to end these. Love you. Bye. Bye. Like I'm ending a phone call. Jeez.
Hey folks, you guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com slash haunted. That's masterclass.com slash haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com slash haunted. I'll see you there. Hey, have you ever been just sitting with your pals and just talking about creepy places that kind of places that give you goosebumps just thinking about them? If you have, chances are that the Bermuda Triangle or Area 51, things like that pop into your head. Let me tell you, those spots still got nothing on the Skinwalker Ranch. This place has stump scientists and freaked out skeptics like nobody's business. Spanning over 500 acres of northern Utah, nestled within a region known as the Uintah Basin, Hope I said that right. Probably didn't. Probably going to get yelled at. Since the early days of the Spanish missionaries, rumors of bizarre occurrences have swirled in this area. In the words of journalist George Knapp, it is a site of simply unbelievable paranormal activities, UFOs, Sasquatch, cattle mutilations, and psychic manifestations. You name it, residents here have seen it. And sitting slap middle in this epicenter of bewildering events stands Skinwalker Ranch, which first gained national attention in the mid-1990s when the Sherman family, who had purchased the ranch in 1994, shared their astounding stories with the media. One fateful day, shortly after settling into their idyllic country homestead, Terry and Gwen Sherman were startled by the sight of a fearsome creature possibly a wolf or possibly a coyote, stalking toward their livestock pen. Panic set in as it seized the calf in its powerful jaws. Terry reacted swiftly, firing multiple shots from his handgun and rifle. Astonishingly, despite being struck by the bullets, the creature appeared unharmed and nonchalantly retreated into the bushes. Its noxious odor reminiscent of decaying flesh, lingered in the air for days and clung to the Sherman's memories. 
In the weeks and months that have ensued, visitors to the ranch reported witnessing unidentified beasts prowling through the dense woods and emitting spine-chilling roars. Mysterious lights hovered and darted across the night sky, adding to the disconcerting atmosphere. Witnesses described large orange circles and blue spheres that seemed to move with purpose as if under the command of unseen forces. Most distressingly, animals on the ranch began to meet gruesome fates. Dogs were seemingly incinerated during the dark hours, while cows were discovered dismembered and eviscerated with such precision that it ruled out the possibility of animal attacks. The newspaper articles chronicling the Sherman's harrowing experiences caught the attention of an unlikely figure, billionaire property magnate Robert Bigelow. Beyond his reputation as a shrewd businessman, Bigelow harbored a deep fascination for space travel and the paranormal. He had even founded the National Institute for Discovery Science, an organization akin to his personal team of investigators delving into the unknown. Intrigued by the history surrounding this region, Bigelow seized the opportunity and acquired the ranch. The Gorman Ranch presented a unique opportunity to study the rich tapestry of strange stuff. It was as if someone had ordered up a weirdness pizza with everything on it, recounted journalist George Knapp, who had visited the ranch once Bigelow had settled in. The team meticulously set up monitoring equipment, observation posts, and round-the-clock surveillance. The team meticulously set up monitoring equipment, observation posts, and round-the-clock surveillance. The mere presence of these activities fueled conspiracy theories among UFO enthusiasts, prompting Bigelow to publicly deny any involvement with the CIA or previous encounters with extraterrestrial beings in Utah. Now, what sets Skinwalker Ranch apart is the fact that these inexplicable phenomena presented even under intense scrutiny by NIDS, the National Institute for Discovery Science which is, I'm just going to say NIDS from now on because I can't just keep saying the National Institute for Discovery Science over and over and over. Listen, everything to me is a tongue twister. So it's, it's you. If I put out the bloopers of me just cursing myself while I talk, it's, it's, you wouldn't even believe it. Anyway. Researchers bore witness to the same unexplainable lights reported by the Shermans, yet their equipment inexplicably malfunctioned during critical moments. Instances of electronic equipment being physically distorted, shredded wires, and other forms of sabotage were not uncommon. John Alexander, a retired Army intelligence officer and NIDS consultant, later revealed in an interview that a precognitive sentient intelligence seemed to be at work, predicting the team's next moves and sabotaging their equipment accordingly. The sheer volume of incidents surrounding Skinwalker Ranch, coupled with the multitude of eyewitness accounts and the region's notorious reputation, had led many to take this case more seriously than other UFO hotspots. Additionally, the connection of Native American folklore adds another layer of intrigue. The very name Skinwalker Ranch alludes to one of the most feared entities in Navajo culture and history, Skinwalkers. 
These malevolent witches are said to possess the ability to transform into different creatures. The imposing wolf-like creature encountered by the Shermans, which bore a striking resemblance to the long-extinct direwolf once found in North America, as well as other creatures witnessed by NIDS observers, have been linked to legends of skinwalkers in the region. Interestingly, a long-standing local legend connects the presence of skinwalkers to a history of hostility between two Native American tribes, the Navajo and the Utes. Historian Sandra Jones, author of Being and Becoming Ute, explains that the Navajo were more aggressive, and they took slaves and they had Ute slaves. According to this legend, a territorial dispute led the Navajo to curse the land and unleash the skinwalkers upon it. The historical grounding for such legends needs to be clearer. Betsy Chapoose, the Cultural Rights and Protections Director for the Ute Tribe, acknowledges that various oral tales may have evolved over generations, but stresses that she personally never encountered any accounts of a Navajo curse being placed upon the land. Setting aside explanations rooted in indigenous lore, speculation has swirled around possible alien activity and government experiments. Now with Skinwalker Ranch having changed hands once more, the popular show The Curse of Skinwalker Ranch aims to dive deeper into the mysteries of the region. Their team of experts have employed cutting-edge scientific techniques, such as drones, heat vision cameras, and laser technology to examine the entire ranch with unprecedented precision. Could this finally provide some answers to the riddle that is the Skinwalker Ranch? Maybe we're looking in the wrong direction. Perhaps the answers we're looking for aren't in the now, but in the then. In order to find that, I had to dig a little bit. Surely someone had to live on the land prior to the Shermans. And did they too encounter strange phenomena? Kenneth Myers was the owner of the ranch from 1934. Legend has it that he once encountered a tall, shadowy man wearing a black coat during the infamous winter of 1948. This stranger appeared at Meyer's doorstep during a snowstorm and claimed to be from the sheriff's department. However, Myers had never seen this man before, despite having many friends in the department. The stranger eventually left, but as Myers watched him depart, there was a sudden bright flash of light and the man vanished into thin air. Now, we talked about Bigelow and his team. We talked about one of the series that was made. There's another series on the History Channel called The Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch. Once in 2013 and then again in 2018, the roads to the ranch were blocked off and media rights were acquired to produce two films about the story. However, there are such critics, such as writer Robert Schaefer, who claim that all reported supernatural events on the ranch are merely illusions or fabricated stories. On the other hand, some supporters argue that key evidence collected by Bigelow's scientific team has yet to be made public and is being kept hidden. In 2009, author Frank B. Salisbury spoke with Garth Myers, the younger brother of the late Kenneth Myers, who owned the ranch from 1933. Garth had worked at the ranch for three summers during his youth. According to Garth, Kenneth and his wife Edith initially purchased 180 acres in 1933 and gradually expanded it to 480 acres. 
Sadly, they lost a child who passed away as an infant and did not have any further children. After Kenneth's death in 1987, Edith continued living on the ranch until she moved to a rest home in 1992. When she passed away in 1994, Garth inherited the ranch but did not reside there. It remained empty for about three years until the Shermans bought it. In his interview with Frank Salisbury, Garth stated that he was unaware of any paranormal or UFO activity occurring on the ranch while his family owned it. He also mentioned that he frequently checked in on Edith because he was concerned about her living alone and getting older. Garth admitted to knowing about Terry Sherman's experiences after purchasing the ranch. He also acknowledged that Terry was terrified and had lost some cattle due to unexplained events. When asked about the Sherman's claims of numerous locks and chains around the homestead, Garth denied their existence. He stated that the ranch's main building had no locks or chains on it. Garth revealed that Robert Bigelow contacted him after buying the property in 1997 and asked why no one had spoken about the UFO activity. Garth explained that he hadn't discussed it because he didn't believe anything had ever happened. Now, if strange occurrences had indeed taken place during this long period that the Myers family owned it, why didn't they talk about it? Perhaps they wanted to avoid unwanted attention, or maybe, as Garth suggests, there wasn't anything noteworthy to share. However, it should be noted that Garth did not live on the ranch himself. Now, after presenting evidence that seemingly contradicts previous information, more evidence has come to light that supports the idea that the Myers family was hiding something. Chris Porritt who knew the Myers before the Shermans bought the ranch and shared a love of horses with them, reported being called out to the ranch multiple times because their cattle had been brutally mutilated. On one occasion, they found two cows arranged symmetrically with their reproductive organs removed and stacked behind their bodies. The cows' heads were still attached, but had been emptied of bones. Additionally, there was no blood in or around the carcasses and depressions measuring 23 feet long were found near the bodies. These depressions were similar to the ones described by the Shermans on their property, some circular and others triangular. Porritt, who also recounts a strange incident with three heifers went missing, were later found piled on top of each other in a shed by Myers and himself. The cows appeared to be in a trance until they panicked and escaped back to the herd. Other individuals who knew Skinwalker Ranch before the Shermans have spoken up also, including Jimmy Spears, who worked at the ranch in 1975. One day, while fixing a fence, Spears disappeared without a trace and reappeared three days later, dehydrated and confused. He claimed to have no memory of what happened during those three days except for working on the fence before suddenly finding himself walking along a muddy road. In the end, Jimmy Spears left the ranch. As long as he stayed there, he was haunted by a reoccurring and terrifying nightmare of being buried underneath the homestead. But Spears wasn't the only one at the time who experienced missing chunks of time, with no recollection except for traumatic dreams and fragmented flashbacks. The phenomenon of missing time is often associated with alleged alien abductions. And it happened to a female relative of the Myers family. A friend of hers, who reported the story to journalist George Knapp, witnessed it firsthand. 
while out in Roosevelt, a small town about nine and a half miles from the ranch, they returned to Skinwalker Ranch around 11 p.m., only to see flashing red and blue lights behind them. Assuming it was the police, they pulled over and waited for the officer. The next thing they knew, the sun was rising at dawn and it was now 5 a.m. They had lost six hours of time without even realizing it. To make things even stranger, their car somehow ended up on top of the mesa north of Skimwalker Ranch, a place with no roads leading up to it. In 1981, two boys were hunting rabbits on that same mesa when a sudden snowstorm hit. They looked for shelter in an abandoned building known as Homestead 2, where the original owners of Skinwalker Ranch used to live before abandoning it for Homestead 1. One boy named Roland felt uneasy about entering Homestead 2, but did so reluctantly due to the intense snowfall. As they stood by a window listening to strange noises coming from inside, they realized that something else was in there with them besides just rats. Something that made them both too scared to leave until the morning came. Against their better judgment, they stayed in the abandoned building. Suddenly, a loud crash had echoed through the walls, causing the boys to jump with fright. Someone or something must be inside with them. After a moment of silence, they knew they had to investigate and reassure themselves that it was something normal and harmless. They cautiously looked around and noticed some old tools had fallen to the ground. But how? They must have been sitting there for years undisturbed. As they inspected the tools, another crash came from outside the door. This time, it was a stack of clay pots toppling over in the snow. Strangely, this made them less scared because they were convinced it was an animal. A bigger catch than maybe a simple rabbit. With renewed excitement, they ventured out into the snow and followed tracks in the snow only to discover barefoot human footprints turning into enormous wolf tracks. Suddenly, Roland spotted an eight-foot-tall wolf standing on two legs and growling at them. In panic, both boys fired their hunting rifles before fleeing in terror. For years afterwards, Roland would hear the beast growling outside of his window and feel its presence whenever he was alone. Whether it was real or just in his mind remains a mystery to this day. So what is the conclusion we can come to? Is that ranch in the Uintah Basin truly a hotbed for skinwalkers? Or are these just exaggerated stories created by those seeking something out of the ordinary? Despite being educated and respected scientists such as physicist Eric W. Davis and biochemist Colm Keller, they both agree that there was something abnormal happening on the ranch after the Sherman's departure. They risked criticism and possibly damaging their careers by going on record. So why would they do this? Third-hand accounts often sensationalize with Keller and Davis' experience firsthand. However, with some research, one can find on their own accounts of the strange occurrences. It may not be as dramatic, but it still raises questions, and both scientists are convinced that Skinwalker Ranch is the site of extraordinary events. The Shermans did not appear to profit from their experiences. In fact, they lost their home, cattle, and had to relocate to another state to start over. And for the record, Terry Sherman and his wife Gwen genuinely experienced bizarre events during their time on the ranch. It seems unlikely that a cattle rancher who lived in a tight-knit community 
and was employed at a local bank for 20 years, would suddenly invent stories about werewolves and UFOs without any prior history of such an imagination. According to some sources, Terry believed that these happenings were linked to secret military projects rather than to ancient Indian shapeshifters or aliens from another dimension. In the end, it's up to you to decide what you believe. You may choose not to believe any of it. However, I can't look at it so black and white. What's going on out there in Utah is something I feel is far beyond ordinary human understanding. I'm Christopher Feinstein, and this is Haunted American History. <laughs>